welcome to the Service Industry Podcast. I've spent the last decade as a CEO, operator, and business builder selling tens of millions of dollars in products and services. I, just like many of you, started with nothing. My mission for this podcast is to help you become the greatest version of yourself, help you grow and scale your business, and create the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Enjoy the episode. What's going on, guys? Matt here from the Service Industry Podcast. Oh, gosh, man. I have an episode today that um, I recorded with one of my favorite human beings on the planet, like literally. And um, he's my pastor. And before you guys, you know, who maybe aren't believers or don't go to church are going to click off, um, this is not a episode that we are just talking about God. We're talking about finding your purpose, finding your why in life. Um, he wrote a book on this and I don't say this ever, but I think it's probably one of the most profound episodes to date that will ever be on the podcast out of 150 plus episodes. This is definitely by far my favorite one I've ever done. And I think if you master today, the things that we talk about in this episode, your entire life will change in the way you live your life will change in the day that you leave this life. You will say, I lived a life worth living and I lived the life I was supposed to live. Um, and so I'm just super, super pumped to have him on. Uh, before we dive in, if you guys are a return guest, welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad to have you. If you guys have not left a review wherever you listen to this episode, it would mean the world to me. Um, you guys know that I do this 100% free. I don't do it to make money. I do it to help you guys. Um, I've been where a lot of you guys want to go. And my hope is that giving you some of this information will help you avoid a lot of the pitfalls that I had to walk through. Um, and the only thing I ask in return is that maybe you would just leave a review and, and, and make it honest so people who are new to the show can see what it's all about and we can help and reach more people all across the world. Like people in Australia are listening to this, people in the UK, people all over the United States. Um, the podcast is growing and it's reaching lots of people and and I'm just super pumped and it's because of you guys. Uh, if you're a new listener, I want to say welcome to the podcast. This podcast is all about helping you grow and scale your business, but it's also all about helping you grow and scale your life and helping you live a life worth living. Uh, this is a journey I am on, man. Like I'm on it every single day. I want to become the best version of myself and I think today's episode is going to help you uh, either start this journey or help you move the journey along if you're already on it. And I'm super excited. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode with my pastor, Pastor Jim Wiegand. All right, guys. So I have Mr. Pastor Jim Wiegand on the podcast today, and I'm super excited because um, this is not just a, you know, this isn't just the pastor of my church, but this is a father figure really in my life who has um, known me for gosh, 10 plus years now, probably uh, yeah. has been through a lot of, you know, ups and downs in my life. He's seen me at the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. And uh, I think probably one of the best people to talk to in regards to um, 
learning what your purpose is in life and how to find that and follow it. So I'm thankful you took the time today to be on the podcast. Right on. You offered me free coffee and I, I came running. So that's, you owe me coffee yeah. after this and we're even. <laughs> I feel like I owe you. I was just thinking today, I was like, man, after all the counseling and all the the talks and in, in the baseball field, never that, I owe that guy like at least 10 dinners. Nah, you're, you've been a great investment, Matt. I'm, I'm proud of you. No, I appreciate it. So backtracking uh, just in yeah. my life for a minute, just so the listeners know. Um, so I went to, uh, I guess you call it like a fast track Bible college, um, yeah. Global University. And I did a, a year long internship at your guys' church. Um, and during that process, I thought I wanted to become a worship pastor. Uh, yeah. But what it actually made me realize was I didn't want to be a worship pastor. And <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I wanted to be a business owner. Um, and I remember many conversations that we had had during that year. So this was probably 2000, yeah, 2011. Um, and, and I remember you like fostering that like for me, like, and it made me feel like, oh, like this is okay that I went through this whole year long thing thinking I'm going to do one thing, but it really made me realize I was kind of built for something else. Um, and I wanted to write this down because this is something I want to bring out before we start. Uh, I think you have like this ability and this gift, and I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one that's ever told you this, but I think you have this ability and this gift to make people feel like, like they're the most important person in the world to you. Um, and like, that's something I always remember. So I wrote this down, like mm. it, like we've, we've had many conversations back then that I don't remember specifically what we said, but I remember how they made me feel. Right. Um, uh, and so, neat. so those are like some of the things I, I really admire. Um, and I, I know I'm not the only <clears> one that, that probably has that story, but it is something I super appreciate about you. Uh, it's again, being in your life was like buying Apple at $5 a share, like a great investment, you know, no, I, I owe you for the opportunity. So I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I'm proud of you. I'm glad to see what's coming out of your life. I'm especially glad to see you're sharing it. You're not just you know, stories need to be told and you've got some great stories and people need to know they're not alone. People need to know that what they're going through, others have gone through and made it through on the other side. So thanks for yeah. doing what you do, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. So we're going to talk about how to kind of find your passion, yeah. um, your, your purpose, which is like purpose, what you're, you're all about. So before we dive in, um, <clears throat> why don't you just tell us about the book that you wrote? It's been a couple of years now, right? Oh, probably 10 yeah, or more. Yeah. yeah I, I, we, we saw the changes coming to our community. Uh, we're, we're in Fenton, Michigan. So a bedroom community of the auto industry, the auto industry in the late, well, you know, the, the 2000s. So not quite 2010 yet. They're going through a lot of changes. If they were building new factories, it was in Mexico, Canada, India. It wasn't, it wasn't in Fenton, Michigan. It wasn't in Flint or, you know, um, Auburn Hills. It was, it was somewhere else. It wasn't Detroit. So as, as I was watching my friends who were my age, at the time, so 40-ish, you know, they their industry was dying and they they didn't see it and wouldn't admit it. And I mm -hmm. knew that they would have to ask some very significant questions about their life. Because once once you've driven a fork truck for 20 years for GM and now GM is in Mexico, you're only qualified to drive a fork truck. And the benefits, the, the lifestyle, all that's going away. But, but something else was coming their way that was going to provide something they never had before. And that was they got to ask the question, now what do I want to do? You know, they, they got out of high school. They made 30 grand a year, which was huge money in the 80s. You yeah. know, uh, they 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 bought the boat. They bought the cottage up north. They got a wife or two. They had a kid or three. They, you know what I mean? 
And, and now they're about to lose their income. And, and they only did it, not because everybody loves to screw this nut into this bolt for eight hours a day, six or seven days a week in a windowless factory. Nobody likes that, but they, they like what happens when they do. But now that that's gone, they get to ask this really interesting question. And that is, if I'm not going to be a factory worker, then what am I going to do? Like, what do I, what yeah. do I want to do? Maybe, maybe for the first time in their lives, they got to ask, what do I want to do for a living? And so out of that, came a series of conversations out of that came a book out of that comes a seminar that I teach at, at churches and companies and uh, schools and you know uh, internationally and, and the book is called why is greater than what and and the thought is finding your why it is my contention that everybody has a reason that nobody mm-hmm. is extra nobody is you know some sort of a spare tire nobody's addition and and i can prove it because i think everybody knows this already right like you may not be living your life but how would you know that you know that because you know you're not living your life you don't know what's missing you don't not quite sure what you'd change but you know that that when you get up in the morning it should it should feel more like life than it does why why is it when we were kids we couldn't we just didn't want to go to bed and we couldn't wait to wake up and now we're adults and we we can't wait to go to bed and we don't want to wake up like what yeah what changed that's not a that's not maturity that's something's dying inside of the human soul when we don't live the life that we were created and i i as a pastor i believe in in a creator that gives yeah. us specific gifts specific callings like we're the right I, I hate to say there's a lot of questions in every generation but the people that are listening right now whether you know it or not you're like god's answer to a generation's questions you're not a, you're not a problem you're a solution and so embracing that, that I have a calling on my life, I have a reason for being, or I have a why, that if I can engage that why, I get to wake up every morning living in the sweet spot of life. And now at 57 years old, I do. I, I've hired everybody that, that I need to do the things that I am not. And so I, I get to do, I get to spend time with 20 something year old students, talking to them about their purpose, because that's, that's mostly what I do now. I teach uh, and, I, and I take long walks with good friends of various ages to help them figure out what they're supposed to be doing with their life. And the joy that I have when their light bulb goes on and they start their business and it goes to what, 5 million bucks in how many years? You know what I mean? And you're, you're a great worship leader, by the way, but being a great fisherman doesn't make me a fisherman. Being a great hunter doesn't make me a hunter. Being a, a great worship leader doesn't mean you're created to do just that. And you can always lead worship, you know, any Sunday you want and go back and, and run a business because yeah. that's who you are. So my my job, am I talking too much? I want to make sure I'm no, not just- I love it, okay. man. It's awesome. So <clears throat> I, I find this to be true. Almost nobody can name like, I preach thousands of sermons. I'm a pastor. Sermons yeah. are important to me. I, I can't find many, my own family can't name five sermons that have changed their life. Yeah. Thousands of sermons. That means thousands of hours. They've listened to me talk. Thousands of people every Sunday, thousands of hours for, for 30 years now I've been pastoring this church, right? I bet you I can't find more than a handful of people that can name five sermons I preach that that literally changed their life, right? So, or, or make it books, make it music, make it make whatever you want to make it. So, what is it that changes people's lives? It's uh, nobody can name five sermons, but everybody can name five people. Yeah, it was. It, it, so you got to understand this. It was never the Sunday school teacher. I'm sorry. It was never the Sunday school curriculum. It was always the Sunday school teacher. Yeah. It was. It was never the sermon. It was always. The friendship of the pastor, the relationship. It was never soccer. It was the soccer coach. Now you might have enjoyed soccer, but if your life was changed, it wasn't by the game of soccer. It yeah. wasn't because of mathematics. It, it was because of the professor that taught you mathematics or 
counseling. It, it wasn't the words they said. It was a person that they were. So uh, if, you, if we're going to sit there and have time with all your listeners and say, tell me about the five people that changed your life. What, what do they have in common? They would say things like, they saw me and knew me before I saw me and knew me. Mm. They gave me opportunities to do poorly, what I later became very proficient at. But they gave me my first chance. As a pastor, everybody's first sermon has like 12 pages of notes. It's done in like six minutes and they had diarrhea for three days before and after. Yeah. Right? The yeah. nerves of standing up and talking, you know, but but you see something in them and then they, they exercise it and instead of saying that was bad, you say, hey, this is the three things you did right. These are the three things I want you to work on two weeks from now when you do it again. Well, mm. those are the people you look back in your life and say that if it wasn't for that coach, that pastor, that parent, that boss, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. They're one of the five people that changed my life. They saw us. They gave us opportunity. We wanted to quit and they didn't let us quit. They, yep. they spoke the truth to us in love. Like, I think I'm going to do this because this is like, you're quitting because you're being lazy. Now stop being lazy and get back to work. Yeah. You know, this is who you are. You are a salesperson or you, you, you do manufacture things with your hands and create new ways. Like don't, don't run off because that's easier. Stay here and figure out what, how, how to fix, how to become who you are in a way that answers questions and solves problems. Because I believe that's what you created for. That's really good. So to unpack that journey of people who yeah. are like, man, I mean, you probably remember me calling you. I think it was like last October. I, I was kind of in a spot where I'm just like, um, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. like I, I don't know what to do next. Um, yeah. And I just said, I'm going to take some time off and like figure out who I am. And I'm going to go yeah. on this journey. And like, like I would yeah. argue, like I, I knew who I was, but now like today, I have such a greater understanding of who I am as a person after going through all the good and bad times. Um, how do people get started on this journey of like figuring out what their why is? Yeah, I, I, I think the, the easiest answer is often the best one to begin with, right? So here's three questions I think everybody listening should ask. I think if you're a parent, you should ask your children these same questions. If you're a spouse or you're dating somebody seriously, like this should be part of your regular conversation somewhere because from this conversation, progress on purpose is, is made. If you're a boss, you have employees and you're driving from job A to job B, ask them these three questions. And again, by, by doing that, you, you get on the list of five people that changed my life, right? Mm. So it sure is. Number one, you ask people, if, if, if we believe that we have a designer, a creator, intelligent life, God is behind us, then we're made for a reason. What is that reason? Well, we can make certain assumptions, that the things that he's created to me to do, I'll be passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I ask people like, what are you passionate about? When you and I had that conversation, like you, you had a gift to lead worship, but, but as you dreamed, you weren't dreaming about leading worship. You were dreaming about starting business. You had yeah. a passion and, and it wasn't, it wasn't because worship leaders make X number of dollars and entrepreneurs make 10 X number of dollars. It had nothing to do with money. It had to do with a certain satisfaction that comes out of living your passion. So yeah. I'll ask them, what are you passionate about? When you're, when you're done doing all the things you have to do, picking up the kids, soccer practice, milking the chickens, you know, feeding the cows, yeah. mowing the grass, paying the bills. Now it's your time and you're rested. What do you do now? What are you passionate about? And I'm, I'm not talking about hobbies. I'm not talking about recreation or those activities by which we recreate the life in our soul. Uh, recreation is recreation, right? I, I'm talking about like a God-given want to, maybe even a God-given have to. I just cannot be happy unless, for me personally, it's speaking and teaching. I, If you made me an account and you put me in a cubicle and I was responsible for counting your money for the rest of my life, I would be 
I would be no different than a slave in the 1700s. It is mm. not my life. I don't want to be there. It's not worth the food that I'm eating. It, it, yeah. it satisfies nothing. I am so dispassionate about my responsibilities that I have to do to make a living that, that parts of me just wish I could run away. Right. Yeah. So what am I passionate about? I like speaking. Is, is that, is that a, uh, a new notion or is that something that's been with me my whole life? If you look yeah. at my report cards all the way from kindergarten on, all of my teachers marveled at my verbal skills. They said, Jimmy never shuts up. All right. Yeah. So would you please get him to shut up? I mean, this is before Ritalin or I'd, I'd have been on it, you know, and, and, and would have benefited from it, but sit me in a chair, talk to me in a one-sided lecture, ask me three weeks later what you said, and then judge my intelligence based on my answers. That's, that's just not me, man. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. My, my, my teachers are shocked that now I'm a teacher. They never saw it coming. And the only clue to me being a teacher was when I was in class, I, I talked constantly. And when I was on the bus, I talked constantly. I had surgery uh, about 11 days ago. I was in the waiting room to have a follow-up with my surgeon. I started a conversation with seven strangers. Yeah. I, learned from, I learned from a man who's been married for 55 years what the secret to a, a marriage over 55 years is. I, I asked him questions. Everybody else joined. I mean, that's I've always been that kid in class or the bus or the waiting room or the airplane. Yeah. So you can the whole my whole life, people looked at that passion, that gift, and they said, hey, sit down and shut up. Mm. And, and really, I was created to stand up and to speak. So what are you passionate about? Those people that are listening, what are you passionate? What are your kids passionate about? What is your spouse, your, your, you know, your loved ones, your employee? What are they passionate about? Ask them that question and don't don't ask them anything else. Just listen. Don't don't try to finish their sentences for them. What is it when you're done doing everything you have to do? What is it that you love to do? I put a quarter in everything that I do. I put some effort, some value in everything I do. When I talk, I get a dollar back. Yeah, This is going to take some energy, some effort. Stitches are healing up. I'll be tired when I'm done with this. But I promise you at the end of our conversation, I put a quarter into this conversation. My soul got a dollar out of it. Yeah, I, I want to do it again tomorrow. I'm physically exhausted. But I'm not emotionally exhausted. I'm not spiritually exhausted. I'm actually energized because yeah. I'm being who God made me to be. So Number one question, what are you passionate about? Number two, this one's harder, but but it's this is the key to unleashing the superpower that's inside of everybody around you. That what's your pain? Um, we're Americans. We we like if we're in pain, we get distracted. If we're in pain, we get medicated. If we get if pain, we get entertained, but we don't want to embrace pain. And and we can all agree that there is bad pain, a toothache, bad pain, no redeeming value. It's just your body telling you something's wrong, so you need to do something about it. But then there's a good pain. You go to the gym, you know, you got seven reps and then and you're shaking and you're jello and you get that last one up before the bar down. Everything's on fire, but that's good yeah. pain because you're exercising something. Well, there's a third pain and I, I call it the God pain. There's, there's bad pain. We don't want any of that. There's good pain, progress, and there's God pain. I think, I think I asked this question, what is it that bothers you so much that when you talk about it, everybody that knows you well rolls their eyes and go, there he goes again. Yeah. You know, I don't know what irritates you, what frustrates you, what what's the latest conspiracy theory you've locked into to be upset at the other side of the I'm not talking about that. I mean a God given it, it's almost like a God who sees everything, hears everything, knows everything, and feels everything, takes a piece of his broken heart and entrusts it to you. And now those kids that are hungry in Haiti, that's not my problem anymore. I've delegated it through pain to you. That literally happened to me. I was yeah. in an orphanage in Haiti, and uh, I held this little girl who was dying in my arms, and uh, 
I, I gave her a little, little bit of a skittle. I chew a little piece off and gave it to her and, and she was just eaten with worms and she'd been abandoned and she was all alone and she was dying. And, um, and here comes my pain. And, uh, and I, I, I gave her about a quarter of a skittle over the course of 20 minutes and she fell asleep in my arms and she peed all over me. And, and the only way I can say this, I fell in love. I fell mm-hmm. in love with that little dying girl and every other kid in Haiti that they couldn't find a, something to eat. And so um, we, we fed, we fed over a million meals to the kids in Haiti in the last five years. And it's not, not because I'm passionate about feeding programs that would never motivate me to sacrifice at the level that myself and you and others have sacrificed to have to feed kids. It's not, it's not passion. I'm really passionate about this and we have a goal. It's not, I, I found a deeper reality to my life through pain than I ever have through passion. You think about it. If, if you succeed in entrepreneurialism enough times, you'll lose your passion for it because it's easy. If you mm-hmm. fail enough in entrepreneurialism, you'll, you'll, you'll quit because it's just too hard, right? Pain doesn't give you either option. You cannot succeed as long as there's still something that's killing you. And, and you, you can't, you can't complete the task and you can't quit the task. It's, you know, I, I was a, a, a combat veteran and, and first cavalry division, you know, first team go. And uh, I, I promise you with all the training I had for combat, there was never a training that said, this is the jump on the grenade drill. There's no jump on the grenade drill. So why since the invention of a hand grenade has someone always in every conflict jumped on a grenade to save his buddies? We've never practiced it. It's, it's a completely counterintuitive thing to do. You have a moment to make a decision and you yeah. jump on the grenade to save your buddies. This is why it's not passion. It's not patriotism. It's pain. I, that person who sees that grenade in the foxhole has two choices and he has to make it an instant. One is jump out of the foxhole and all his buddies die or jump on the grenade in the foxhole and save his buddies. It's, it, it, understand this. Pain really didn't give him a choice. It, we, we live in Michigan. A kid falls through the ice screaming in pain, going under, terrified. You're the only person that hears that kid cry. You break through the ice, you grab that kid, you both get out. And Diana Lewis, Channel 7 News says, you're a hero. You ever, you ever watch when somebody says to somebody else on an interview, you're a hero? Yeah. Universally, they look away from the person who said it or even look down at their feet and they say something self-deprecating like, I'm, I'm no hero. Well, why is that? It's, what you don't understand unless you're there is you have two choices. The kid's dying. You can either break through the ice, risk your life and try to rescue him or you can walk away. And hear that kid screaming for the rest of your life. Yeah. Did you really have a choice? Right. It's not a choice. It's, 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 so this is what I'm saying. When you ask somebody, what kills you? I, you know, what's your passion? What thrills you? Second question, what's your pain? What kills you? And for, for you, I know it's like, man, there's just so many opportunities that nobody's taking advantage of. There's so many people that they have this entrepreneurial gene, but they have no one to mentor them in that. I, you know, they, I, I go through this problem. I realize, Hey, everybody's going through the same problem. I've got to share this with people. Like that's, yeah. that's not a passion. That's not just a business plan. You've done hundreds of these. Yeah. This is, like how much money do you make off a podcast? The answer is zero. Yeah. <laughs> this is you're giving away free content to people because you don't want to see them go through the pain that you've gone through. So thank you for doing that. So ask them, what's your passion? What's your pain? Third question, what's your proficiency? What are you just naturally gifted at? My, my contention is if God has created me to do something, I'm going to be passionate about it. It's going to relieve some God-given pain, and I'm going to be stinking good at it. Maybe not the first time I do it, but eventually I'm going to be so good at it 
that, that no matter what it is or how little it pays, my proficiency will make a way for me to do this and my life and my living will be the same thing. I won't, I won't be just, you know, um, a, a poor carpenter. If I'm a yeah. good carpenter, eventually I'll be a wealthy carpenter. You know, yeah. I won't just be a, a poor school teacher. Eventually, if you're, if you love those kids and you become a great school teacher, your monetary value goes up. And if you're a bad school teacher, do a bad job, right? So yeah. this is what I call the sweet spot. If you think about, is this video or just audio? Video. Okay. So, so if we got, if we got like a, the Olympic flag, you know, where circles overlap, you know, yeah. like, like where that, where your passion, pain and proficiency overlap is something I call the sweet spot. My job as a friend, my job as a coach, my job as a pastor, my job as someone who's training is to help people realize where their sweet spot is. And then use this other amazing superpower that only we have. Nothing yeah. else God created has this. And that's our ability to envision a tomorrow that's different from today and then reverse engineer what we saw back to where we are and begin to walk towards that, that sweet spot. So yep. just, just, <clears throat> I thought I wanted to be a police officer. So I joined the military, went into law enforcement. Um, it wasn't satisfying. I, I thought it was, those were clues. I want to serve. I want to protect. I don't like bullies, you know, but, but I really, I, it's just a lot of heart for the criminal, you know? And, and I don't know why, yeah. but when you're the arresting officer, they don't open up to you about their life. And you don't right, have to right. them. For some reason, after I tased them and handcuffed them, they weren't as open with me as they might be yeah. with somebody else. You know, I just, they're weird that way, you know? So I kind of grew from that into the next iteration. The next iteration, well, eventually I became a youth pastor. Eventually I became a senior pastor. Eventually I became your pastor. I think I was created to be your pastor and, and other people's pastor, right? But there was a journey that this satisfied me and then it kind of didn't anymore. And so I became this and that satisfied me. And my wife will tell you, I was 29 years old and had been married for seven years and had two kids when I could honestly look her in the eye and say, I know what I'm supposed to be when I grow up. Mm. I didn't know it until I came to Fenton, Michigan and began to senior pastor this church 28 years ago. Um, but all my, all my circles overlap. Finally, uh, everything, my, my history of addiction, we have a lot of addiction in our community. So a lot of places, my history of addiction might have been a handicap. Here, it wasn't a disqualification. It was a, it was a better qualification. You know, mm. I was homeless for a season, lived in my car. You know, we're, we're 20 minutes from, from Flint, Michigan. You know, people say, oh, there's lead in the water. It's like, no, the lead in the air will kill you in Flint, Michigan faster than the lead in the water, man. Yeah. There's a lot of homelessness yeah. and drug addiction. So I am uniquely placed by a holy God to be who created me to be. And I wake up every morning, get this, passionate about what I get to do. Because it relieves the pain that I uniquely feel. And by the grace of God, I become stinking good at it. I get to be me. I grew up. This is so stupid. I grew up and I, and I got to be me. It's crazy. I, I think, you know, we have words in the church like evangelism and discipleship. Like evangelism is leading yeah. somebody to a saving knowledge of the love of God and what Jesus has done for them. But discipleship, we, we confuse that so often with indoctrination. You know, so you need to know these, these things and pass this catechism and I, nothing against that. But, but if evangelism is leading someone to Jesus, I think discipleship is leading someone to themselves. Mm. And, and we need people that know who they are. The people that made you who you are probably had a pretty good idea who they were, whether they were a coach, a mentor, a tormentor, you know, That's really good. Whoever, it was, whoever it was that knocked off the edges that weren't you, they probably had a good idea of who they were. And from that position, they got to help you discover who you were. So I know, I know I've talked endlessly, but passion, pain, proficiency, a sweet spot. And you can help someone find that sweet spot, prepare them to live it, and then release them. Don't recruit them to do what you need them to do. Please figure out who they are and then release them in your organization, 
or outside of your organization or to start another organization that directly competes with yours. Yeah. What's important is that you help them discover who they are. You, you, you help them prepare for that. And then you release them inside or outside your organization to be who they were created to be. And I promise you, if you do that, many, many, many people 10 years from now will say, if it wasn't for that guy, he's on my five, she's on my five people that changed my life list. And I really think if you're going to make any goal in life, money's good, education's good, accolades are good, goals are good. But wouldn't we, wouldn't we all just want to have a meaningful life, even if it meant some of those weren't as good? Yeah. At the end of my life, I want to look back like, like someone who just stole home base, you know, who's yeah. diving into home and he's safe. I mean, I don't, I don't I don't know when we decided that life was about arriving safely at death. I, it doesn't make any sense mm. to me, right? So my, my encouragement to everybody that's listening is ask yourself, what is my passion? What is my pain? What is my proficiency? And where do those three, three things overlap? That's a really solid clue to your purpose. I'm not saying it's it. It's a really solid clue. You've eliminated 99% of what you're not. You can focus yeah. on the 1% that you know you are. And yeah, you might be a cop for a while. You might be a combat soldier for a while. You might be a school teacher for a while. You you might you might be a, in politics for a while. But I promise you, at some point, you look at that person in the mirror and you say, "I finally found you, you bugger! I've been looking for you for twenty nine years, and I finally found you. You're a senior pastor in Fenton, Michigan." That's really good. Do, do you think that like um, I've told this on previous episodes? Uh, this was back the first year we started Brave American. And we had this crazy lofty goal to make this a certain amount of money. And my business yeah. partner sends me a text one day and I'm on US 23 and I look at the bank account and we had hit it. Um, yeah. And it was a million dollars. And yeah. I was I was like, holy crap, we hit it. And then the yeah. immediate feeling after was like nothing. Like I had no feeling. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I had to say like, so why am I doing this? Like, if I just made that much money in a single year and I feel nothing like yes. why, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it's too, it's too hard. It's too hard to, to, to do everything that we do to have that feeling of like emptiness at the end of whatever. Um, yeah. And so that, and then the other thing I want to tag on is I believe like one of the like biggest most like the biggest crisis is like, I believe we have a world of, especially in this country, like a world of people walking around that have no idea who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess, I guess what I was going to say with that was like, when that feeling happened, when I looked at the bank account and I was like, Oh crap. Like I knew, I knew who I was a lot more at that time than I did five years previously. But like, do you think we go through these cycles of like, like, are you still learning who you are every oh, day? Oh yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say every day, but I know every day I'm growing towards the next iteration of my life. Okay. I'm, I, you know, I'm 57 years old. So I have to admit that sooner or later, I'm going to be in the way of the organization I now serve. Right. So I have to get out of the way. Well, I, I'm never going to retire. I, I love what I do too much. So what would be next? If it's not pastoring here, what would be next? And and, and yeah. I assume even after that, my my abilities, you know, you're too young to know this, but sooner or later, you don't, what, what you did once breathlessly is now takes a lot of breathing to, to get it done, you yeah. know? So sooner or later, I won't have the stamina or the mental acuity or whatever, but I, I mean, I hope, again, I hope to slide into first base head first, having stolen it, you know, at, at the end of my life. So I plan on doing whatever I'm most useful at and what best reflects who God made me to be 
any given moment of any day for the rest of my life. So at 29, I realized it was here, but at 65, I may realize that here was actually important in the process to be there when, mm. when it's time to go there. That's, I don't think it works that way. And, and I'll always be my, you know, my son's father's always be my grandchildren's grandpa, I'll always be my, my wife's husband. I don't think everything has to evolve. But I think when it comes to the expression of the things God put inside of you, I think in, in many ways, not universally, but I think a 70 year old probably knows more about life than a 50 year old. Yeah. You know, I, that guy in the waiting room yesterday who had been married 55 years, I've been married 34. He taught me some things I didn't know. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and very simply, the older you get, the less words you have to use, I guess. Cause he said, yeah. I said, what's, what's your advice to this rookie over here with just 34 years? He said, he said, yeah, just keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I, and what's funny is I know exactly what he means. Just go back tomorrow and love your wife again. Yeah. You know, just go back. Forgiveness is important. Consistency is important. Budgets just, it, you're, you keep waiting for this Hallmark movie moment. Like a lot of life is just fidelity, quality mm -hmm. and fidelity. It isn't, it's nice when you have the 4th of July fireworks, you know, and I've been married so long that I don't remember what they are. I, I do, yeah. you know, and I, I experience them, but they're very different. They're my 4th of July fireworks are not, long walks in the rain and making love under a tree. It's playing with my grandkids because I didn't quit on a marriage. that was difficult at times. Mm. You know what I mean? And I'm still a part of this family because, because yeah. I just kept going. And that's what he meant by that. You know? So I think we're always growing. I, I, I hope we always are. We should be. If not, if we're not growing, we're faking something. We're acting. We're, we're repeating things that were effective yesterday because we hope they're effective today. That's, that's no way to live your life. So back to the zombie thing though, a generation that doesn't, doesn't know who they are. I, I absolutely agree. And I can, I can even prove it to you because people that don't know their why don't know their way. Right. Mm. So how, how do I know, how do I know somebody doesn't know their why I look on their social media account and I see what's got them all pissed off about today. Yeah. Which, which, which cause that, that although it does have an importance to it has become so important to them that it's almost, it's almost worshiped. It's all they talk about. It's all they think about. Their passion, their pain, proficiency have been sold out for a life that isn't theirs because they don't have a life of their own. Yeah. You know? So they just kind of jump on the back of somebody who might on a cause that might for a moment make them feel alive. You know? Yeah. The, the, the people that come to mind in my head, I just, I, I, I want to be careful to say, because as soon as I say it, you think I'm talking about just these people. I'm talking about all people. I think from all the demographics, whether they're poor or rich or, the color of their skin, their politics, their, their social justice views. When, when, when that's all that they are, is that view, they don't know who they are. And, and matter of fact, let me say this, they can't even do anything about that as long as they're a useful idiot and a pawn of those who are making money off their outrage. Yeah. Right? Did, that, did I say that too hard? You know your audience better than I do. No, I'll, not I'll soften all. it by saying please or thank you at the end of it, you know? But I, <laughs> I, I just, I, yeah, in other words, why, why are we so drawn to be Michigan fans? Ohio State's evil. I, I, you know, maybe it's because Ohio State is evil. I agree with that one, you know? Um, but I think beyond that, it's not just the Ohio State football is evil. It's, I, if I have nothing else in my life um, mm. that, that, I, that I can give my life to in a meaningful way, I just, I just find other things, whether it makes me angry or makes me happy or make, but it, 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 it brings with it the imitation of what life should feel like, you know, it's, That's it's good. not real and it won't last, but in this moment, almost like when I used to get drunk, I got drunk to get rid of pain. Um, 
When I was drunk, I didn't think about pain the same way I thought about it when I was sober. When I was sober, pain hurt. When I was drunk, it hurt less. So you drink, you know? Yeah. I think we're entertained in the same way. I think we're distracted. We're, we're impassioned in the same way today. It's, it's, a, it's an imitation of what life was supposed to be. But I'll tell you this, it's not your purpose and it'll never satisfy you. It'll, it'll you distract think, you, but it can't satisfy you. Do you think that, um, do you think there's a lot of people walking around that, I feel like I know the answer to this, but do you think there's a lot of people that are walking around that they may, they might not know their exact why, but they know they were created for more. However, they're scared to live out their why in fear of what other people think. Sure. I, I think it's supposed to be scary. You ever see the movie A League of Their Own? No. Nope. And it's it's okay. So it's it's the all girls baseball team. I bet you most of your viewers and listeners have seen it. Tom Hanks is rebuking his star ball player who's quitting the team to just to be married and have kids and quit it. And she her excuse for quitting is this: it just got too hard. And there's this beautiful moment where he steps into the face of another. It's a female character, but he's treating her like this is an important moment. He steps in her face and says, "It's supposed to be hard. It's the mm. hard that makes it great." If it wasn't hard, everybody would do it. And I promise you that between a revelation of who you are and the realization of who you are, it is hard. And, and if no one else will step up in your face, let me step up in your face right now and tell you this. It's supposed to be hard. It's yeah. the hard that makes it great. If it wasn't hard, everybody do it. And very, very few people do. And so there are risks and it is nuanced and there is timing and I, especially pain, you know, I mean, Moses is a hero of mine, but Moses, before he was known as the great deliverer, was known as a loser and a murderer, mm -hmm. you know, because he took his pain and he murdered a dude, <laughs> you know, it wasn't yeah. the last Egyptian he'd oversee the, the, the killing of, there was thousands that would die at his hand, but, you know, it, it just wasn't God's timing, it was his. So we, we do have to be patient sometimes and wait for the right timing, but, but don't confuse patience with cowardice. If the only reason you're not doing it is because you're afraid, then I'd have to come back and say, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of what other people would think. I'm afraid it will cost me too much. I'm afraid my spouse won't understand. I'm afraid, it'll, you know, I, some of those things are reasonable, but I, I think some of them are, so you know, you have two choices. You can, you can go to GM tomorrow and nothing against GM or anybody that works in the factory. I don't mean that. But, but if I'm going to take this nut and this bolt and do this for eight hours again tomorrow, yeah. you know what I mean? All day long, I, there's a certain cost to that too. Like there's, yeah. there's a cost to taking a risk. I would suggest the only thing more costly than taking a risk is living your life having never taken a risk. There's there's a cost to that too. So I, I think what some people call wisdom might be cowardice. What yeah. Some people call security. I don't know. It, 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 <laughs> I, I have held the hands of many, many, many dying people. I'm a pastor. And it comes time, grandma's gone, grandpa's gone, or even people your age you know, are going and, and they want to see the preacher. And I sit down with them. We only talk about two things. That's it ever. And I don't bring up the topics. Like I heard you want to talk to me. What, how are you doing? Like, what can I do for you? And they well, I want to talk to you. They only want to talk about God and people. It seems the only thing that we either applaud or regret on our deathbed is what we did with the questions of God and people. Hmm. I wish I would have, could have, should have, or dang, that was a blast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I slid into home plate head first with my helmet off into the catcher's cleats and I'm bleeding and it was awesome. You know what I mean? That those are the two ways we leave this world. So please don't get stuck in the, the nine to five black coffee, Monday through Friday, got to pay the bill. 
Susie needs braces crap that I, I get it. And Susie needs braces, but maybe what Susie needs more than that is a father, or a mother who's fully alive, you know? Yeah. That's that, really that, good. That wasn't a drone, wasn't a slave of the industrial age. Didn't take the education that, that Henry Ford required for basic reading, writing, and arithmetic so that they could be drones and a factory that made him millions of dollars. And I, again, nothing against Henry Ford, nothing against union. My grandfather, I got a brick right over there. He was in the sit-down strike in 36. UAW chapter one is in my is in my blood, right? But but man, don't don't misunderstand. I don't think my grandpa was born to be a factory worker. I think he was probably born to be a soldier because that's why he's there fighting the injustice and the yeah. you know, he lived his life and it was a good life, but at the at his deathbed, like <laughs> My grandpa's final words in this life were, well, if this is death, it's not that bad. <laughs> That's something my grandpa Patterson said. If this is death, it's not that bad. But I, I would also say this. He would have said, if this is life, it wasn't that good. Mm. It just wasn't, you know? So I I don't know. I, I, I don't, I think we should think about dollars, but that shouldn't be our goal. We should think about degrees, but that shouldn't be our goal. We should think about trophies and accolades. But But in the end, of our lives, we will look back at our entire life. If we get the luxury of dying slowly, you know, at an old age where we're still conscious of our thoughts and we'll look back and we'll say it was great because we made the right decisions about who God made us to be and what God wanted us to do in our response to his, his generosity and, and what our investments were in people. Or we'll look back and say, crap, yeah. you know, if I had it to do over again, you know, so I, my encouragement is, yeah, I know it takes courage and yes, there's a wisdom to it. But that's what coaching is for, right? That's, you know, someone makes a bad mistake or they're about to make a dumb mistake, like coaching. This is, you do coaching, right? I mean, so yeah. if someone wants to make this big shift in their industry, their their life, I mean, they should call you because a second affirming voice of someone who's done what you've done is important, you know? Mm-hmm. And if they don't have that, then what do they have? Well, they have doubts and fears that either paralyze them or they move with ignorance into a future that isn't kind to ignorant people. So I, yeah, get find somebody that knows Find someone who is what you want to be when you grow up and ask them how they did it. Ask them for counsel. Buy them a cup of coffee, you know, yeah. take a walk with them on a summer day and, and let them become one of the five people that changes your life and gives you the encouragement that gives courage for you to do what you created to do. That's really good. I talk about um, like borrowing belief from people. Yeah, it's cool. Um, like the Chuck Russells of the world and like yeah. those guys who have done really big things who... I would trade places with like, like I look for the people that I would like, if I'm in a relationship and I find the guy who has a great marriage, like, yeah. like I want to learn everything I can from that guy. Cause he knows a lot of stuff that I don't, yeah. um, same thing in business. And, and like, yeah. when you're first getting started, like for people that are taking the leap to, to pursue their why, sometimes you have to borrow belief from those who have done what you're trying to do because you simply can't see where you're going because you've never been there, but other people have. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, that's good. And so yeah, you don't, you don't have to be Lewis and Clark. You just need to know what path they took. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And if you can buy them coffee, that'd be awesome too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's really good. Um, the only other thing, uh, two more things I want to hit on before we end up here Yeah, yeah. is you had kind of touched on it, but I went to a business conference a couple of weeks ago in St. Louis and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the notes in front of me, but the speaker said something along the lines of, um, he was talking about doing hard things and, and not giving up. And he said, how can we look our kids in the eyes and tell them not to quit when we've quit on everything hard in our life? Yeah. Um, and and yeah. 
And it's almost doing our kids a disservice by giving up on our dreams because they watch that growing up. Um, where if you're a parent that goes after what you believe you're creating to do, uh, your kid will, will have that, whatever that is when they get to be that age to go do the same thing. Yes. Um, I thought that was really good. It's huge, man. It's huge. I, it's funny because I, I, I've never been allowed to be an entrepreneur more than just a, the length of a project, a book, yeah. flip a house, flip a car, that kind of stuff. But it's always been in my heart. I was raised by entrepreneurs. And yeah. so we'd be on a family vacation. My boys were young and we play the million dollar idea game, driving down the road, got two hours before we stop at Stucky's for a bathroom break and a pecan log, you know? Mm-hmm. So in the next two hours, we're going to come up with a million dollar idea. And it was just so fun to listen to them, you know, because- yeah. Kids are all geniuses. They're they're stupid, but they're so they're so they're not afraid of anything, you know. Yeah. So I don't mean stupid. They're ignorant. They don't know what they don't know, but what they do know is brilliant. So listening to them, I, I remember um, JD. You know, JD is kind of my. Yeah. I have two sons. One's really intelligent, really wise, really mature, and then there's JD, the the yeah. the giant the giant pile of teddy bear giggles that he is, and he's about thirty now, and and uh, he he had been on a spring break trip, and a girl on the spring break trip said. Would you like me to put some sunscreen on you? Teenage boy, teenage girl, would you like me to touch you? The answer is yes. Please, yeah. everyone, just touch me, you know? So <laughs> this wise guy, she puts uh, FL 2010 in sunscreen on his belly. Yeah. He thinks it's funny. He goes, plays a volleyball. He gets a terrible sunburn. My my kids are so white. We live in Michigan where it's it's winter eight months out of the year. He yeah. took his shirt off. His chest did not seem daylight in so long his nipples were squinting. It was just like, it didn't know what to do, right? So he plays volleyball. He's out there for hours. He is roasted. 10 months later, he's got FL 2010 uh, etched Still. on his body. So that was his best idea. He said, let's get different SPF sunscreens that have the right viscosity. We'll put them in inkjet printers. We'll, we'll, we'll get any picture they want. We'll put it in the sepia tone. So it reaches off of three different colors. There's, you know, SPF 3, 10, and 30 or yeah. whatever. And we'll spray it onto some sort of a, you know, cellulose uh, medium, you know, a little baby oil on your tummy, put it on carefully, peel it off, go play. And six months later, the Mona Lisa is still on your chest. You know, yeah, that yeah. was his idea. So, and he's like 10 and he comes yeah. up with this idea, right? So this is what I'm saying is, I, my job as a parent is to help my kids become who they're supposed to be. The Bible says this, train up a child and the way he should go. And for too many years, we said train and way. Like, like the most important word in that sentence to me is he, the way mm. he should go. So I don't raise my kids to be botanists. They're not botanists. I, my kids skip school constantly, drove my wife crazy. But while they were skipping school, they were with me doing school assemblies, mm-hmm. teaching on purpose and drug stuff and, you know, using our stories. My, my son, when he was a sophomore in high school, missed about every other day in school, but was with me doing school assemblies. He spoke to thousands of kids face-to-face in the public school that were older than he was, yeah. leading discussions in classrooms. Well, today, he's one of the best public speakers I've ever seen in my life. Naturally gifted, loves God, loves his wife. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. where did that come from? Well, it didn't come from biology 101. And that's great if you're going to be a, a biology person, but he, he was never going to be that. So raising him in the way he should go, raising our kids, recognizing who people are, and not making them jump through a bunch of hoops that are unnecessary to make them qualified for something they were never created to be. And I don't, I don't mean that. I mean, school teachers are heroes, right? They're only, they're not there for the money and fame. They're there because it's their passion, pain and proficiency, but the school system, I, yeah. I think is an incredibly wasteful, 
they wasted most of their time on you after sixth grade, Matt. You know, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, they was they wasted most of their time on me after sixth grade. So, but as a parent, I'm not going to waste my kids' time because I only have so many years yeah. before they're released into a world that's ready for them. So, I, I, I said all that to say, you know, discover. You know, go on the journey, discover, or your kids are going to be a zombie, an in debt student loan zombie. Yeah. that has to do something they weren't created to do. And then they're just as trapped with a master's degree as my old man was with a, a factory job. You yeah. know, you got to yeah. find who they are first. I like that. So we'll end with this. Uh, I think okay. it be, wouldn't be appropriate if we didn't uh, have a little God talk at the end. Mm-hmm. So I, I talk about God a lot on on this podcast about um, my relationship with God and everything. So it's not a secret by any means. But yeah, um, so like when I was 19, that's when I... 1920. That's when I got saved. Um, and you know, I was partying and drinking and, you know, my dad, before he passed away, he was, a an alcoholic my entire life, never had a job. And I could see myself going down this path. Like, although like all my friends were doing the same things, like I could just see myself ending up like that if I didn't make a major life decision. And I was, you know, relatively young, but, um, I came across this guy, Mark Hubbard and, uh, yeah. long story yeah. short, invited me to church for months and months and months. Finally went, yeah. uh, finally gave my life to God. The rest is history. Yeah. Um, but with <laughs> that, we talk about finding your purpose, finding your why. And I think it's impossible. Uh, it's, I think it's impossible to find it completely without Absolutely. God. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and so for maybe somebody who maybe they consider themselves a Christian, maybe they don't. I guess yeah. what kind of final words do you have for somebody that's like, because here's, here's the, here's the truth. You yeah. can accomplish everything in the world. You can have millions of dollars in the bank. And when you yeah. still have that feeling of like, okay, there's gotta be something else. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So yeah. I guess, what do you have to say about that to kind of finish things up? Yeah. I, you know, the book of Ephesians, it's a, it's a book that somebody named Paul wrote in the new Testament. And he makes a statement. He says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. So even though we have the passion, pain, proficiencies, the giftings that come along with that, you ever run into somebody, they're selling insurance and you're like, man, I, I, I don't, I think you're a teacher, you know, mm-hmm. like you like people, you like, you ever run into a, a bartender and you're like, you know what? You listen so well. I think you're probably a counselor, not a bartender, you yeah. know, like, like, like they're, there are ways for us to use what God has given us to make money. But even though the money is never the goal, it never was. It's ingrained in us. It's created in us. The only true satisfaction we have. I'm trying to think of the guy who said it, that, that when, when man is most satisfied, God is most glorified. You know, when I, when I know who I am and I get to be that, not only does that satisfy me, that glorifies the one who made me to be that. So you're right. I can take all the gifts God gave me. And I can teach on software management systems for the school district and make a lot more money than I make right now. Right. But it's almost like taking the beauty of something and prostituting it for finances when it was created to be a daughter, to be a wife, not a prostitute. Right. Yeah. So there's a functionality to what God has given me that has that has some sort of legitimate retail value, but it doesn't satisfy me when I'm paid. I still know that I'm not loved. If I'm a prostitute, I still know I've been used and I'm not loved. And the same thing happens mm-hmm. here. So what, what are we supposed to do? Well, this is it. And this is like so wonderfully John 3, 16, right? Is that God loves you. 
And, and his expression of that love was sending his one and only son, Jesus, to not just like die on a cross and start a religion and tell you, here's 10 new commandments. That's not what happened. What happened was it was impossible for me once I, like once I blow through a stop sign and say, well, I, I want to be a good person. And you get the ticket in your hand. You ask the officer, I just, I got a ticket for running a stop sign. How many more stop signs do I have to go and, and stop at before this goes away? I'm thinking about being a good driver or a bad driver. The cops looking at the law saying guilt and innocence. So I'm guilty. I, I'll be honest with you. I am, since the day I was born, no one had to teach me to hit my sister. It came very naturally to me. Yeah. They had to teach yeah. me not to hit my sister. No one right. had to teach me to steal and lie. They had to teach me not to steal and lie because stealing and lying came very naturally to me. I was born a sinner, right? And, and a sinner that was un, incapable of, of paying the tickets for all of my transgressions, all my law breaking. And so it's almost like Jesus comes along now because motivated by nothing else but love. I love Jim. I love Matt. I love you who are listening right now. And in that, Jesus comes and he pays the penalty of a sinner, though he's sinless. Jesus faced everything I face and defeated everything that defeated me. Same temptations. I fell for it. I took a hook, line, and singer. They reeled me in, stuck me in the boat, and deep fried me with chips. Jesus yeah. faced the exact same thing I did, didn't fall for any of it, completely innocent, stopped at every stop sign, if you will. And instead of instead of him saying there, I, I told you it could be done and leaving, he dies in my place and gives me his innocence as he takes my guilt. And then that's not the end of it. That's the beginning of it. Then he takes a 16-year-old kid who's an addict living in the backseat of a 65 Buick Electra and begins to speak to me about my purpose. And then he gives me a little girl in Haiti. And he gives me a little girl in Fenton, Michigan, who's my wife. He gives me little boys to become men I'm proud of. He gives me a life that comes out of the singular revelation that nothing I did, no matter how stupid, ugly, awful it was, was greater than what he did for me. Hmm. So I'm innocent. I don't feel like it most days, but I'm innocent. Yeah. It's paid for. And as all my sins are paid for, I now get to ask about how to live, not how to not die. You know? And yeah. I, I just encourage anybody that's listening, man, if you thought God was some holier in thou with the Ten Commandments in one hand and a rolling pin in the other hand playing whack-a-mole with your life, you have completely misjudged the character of your creator. Um, he is life. He is the way. He is the truth. So I would encourage anybody maybe to continue this conversation with you or with me. Can I give my email address if anybody wants to talk about anything? Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 again... I, I get paid to do certain things, but the, my paycheck is not a dollars and cents thing. It's, um, yeah, you know, help, helping you as a kid helps. Me. I mean, nothing was more satisfying in my life than your testimony of, you know, our conversations, Matt. I, and the same thing is true. So I, no one's bothering me. I love to talk to people from here. And I'm, I swear to you, I'm not, I'm not a religious guy. <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows I'm not a religious guy, but I'm, I'm a thoroughly loved guy. And because of that, I, I have a tendency to want to give away what I've received. So I hope, I hope if you want to continue a conversation like this, you'll talk to Matt, you'll talk to me. And I hope beyond that, you'll find your purpose and the one who gave it to you. And then at the end of this life, look back like you're sliding the home plate, stealing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, because that's, that's a better way to live your life than as a drone saying, is this all there is? That's really good. I'm going to say this. You're not going to believe me, but yeah. I've done 150 some episodes. Yeah. This is my favorite one. Oh, no kidding. Right I'm on. serious too, man. Like 
it's it's everything it's everything i think about on a daily basis of like like what you're talking about right now is like part of my pain yeah of like yeah. wanting people wanting people to get what you're saying like i just want people to like if they just got it yeah yeah i mean yeah I do. Um, yeah so yeah I don't know. So, so is it this this is your favorite one so far today, or this is your favorite one ever? I, I guess I need to be clear. Period. On that, you know. Period. Right on. I, I might well. be done after this forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. But yeah. No. No. It was good. So I I do really really appreciate having you on. Um, My pleasure. Always. Yeah. So. An honor. You're you're just awesome. Um, I will put your email in the show notes. So right seriously, on. guys, like, if you're in this place in life right now where you're like, what's next? I have a bigger purpose. I'm feeling empty inside, like either one of us would be a great person to reach out to. So cool. All right, guys, right we will see you on the next episode. Thanks again for being on. Live long, prosper. All right, see ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. As always, if you need any help marketing your business or want to work with me directly doing one-on-one coaching, visit serviceindustrycoach.com. We'll see you on the next episode.